Welcome back. You're listening to WERU 89.9 FM Blue Hill, 99.9 FM Bangor. Down east along the main coast and streaming around the world. We are off the charts. I'm Max here with my four-legged pal, Kimosabi. You can find us at WERU.org and stream our program anytime. Kimo finds this especially helpful because this is his nap time. By the time the artists and the songs have been selected, recorded, and reviewed, he's exhausted. The good thing about having a dog pick the music is that he doesn't care what anyone else thinks. He just knows what sounds good in the car. It's always new, and he's not trying to be anything to anyone. He's always got fresh ears, and they are certainly a lot better than anything I've got. So today, we're going to continue our journey in the deep waters of the 1970s with another artist we all think we know. Along with John Denver, this artist emerged in the 1970s as the biggest music phenom in the most musically competitive decade in history. He's gone on to dominate the popular music landscape like no other since the Beatles. His impact has been so pervasive, we don't really pay attention to his music, it's just there. However, if any mantle was to be passed on, any torch picked up from the Beatles by any other single artist, it would be this artist. Even the Beatles would tell you that. And like the Beatles, there is no question he changed the game. The music industry, the kinds of music we listen to, and what was possible. We'll get into all that. An artist so unique in his talent, so gifted in his craft and creative process, that he is held in near singular esteem by his peers. He's the only artist John Lennon wrote with other than Paul McCartney. And when he broke as a young singer-songwriter at the Troubadour in L.A., a prescient Bob Dylan suggested he would be the next big thing. Sir George Martin, the Beatles' producer and arranger, worked with him extensively and produced the biggest and fastest-selling single in the music history from a composition he wrote. Forty-five years later, how the world has changed. In the last few months, he released a new CD produced by T-Bone Burnett, critically acclaimed, most of us never even noticed. So for the next two weeks, we're going to explore the musical genius of Reginald Dwight. Now, as with so many other important musical figures such as Lester Pulfitz, Richard Starkey, and John Deutschendorf, you know him by his adopted name, which you'll eventually figure out on your own today. But if we tell you now, you won't be able to hear the music, only him. We all think we know his music from the hits. We even love it. But in truth, most of us have never really listened to it, apart from his celebrity. But if you listen carefully, with fresh ears, as Chemo does, you can hear the entire landscape of American popular music. Music history contained within his songs. Church music, classical, gospel, R&B, pop, rock and roll, Tin Pan Alley, rock, folk, blues, and even jazz. So seamless in what his songs embody you don't realize what you're actually hearing. Like the Beatles, a British kid who fearlessly reinvented the American musical journey, made it his own, and then gave it back to us. A week probably does not go by when a tune of his doesn't cross your path. Whether it's in a grocery store, on radio or TV, at the movies, in an airport or gas station. A classical music prodigy from a broken family of meager and humble means who has sold hundreds of millions of records. Dwight, Reginald Dwight's accolades include four Tony Awards, an Oscar, and 11 Grammy Awards. He was knighted by Queen Elizabeth. He's used his celebrity to raise more than $200 million to help in the fight to find a cure for AIDS. He was weaned on Beethoven and Brahms, and if you asked him what record most influenced him as a kid, 
what record simply changed his world. He'll tell you it was not Bach or Sgt. Pepper, but the band, Music from the Big Pink. In his own words, it changed his life. So we're going to go back through the last half century on a strange new trip. Hold on, because we're going to make the old new. Hey, perhaps even you. That's the timeless magic of great music. You know the hits, so we're going to take you mostly somewhere else. We're going to head out, off the charts, with an old captain you all know, today. Down your gun. 
I had the remarkable good fortune to work with Elton John at Abbey Road Studios, producing a live version of this next song. I chose it because musically, I liked it because it harkened back to his early work. And lyrically, I thought it spoke to a journey perhaps we all share. It's a relatively new song. We talked about the song in the studio together, and Elton spoke eloquently about the importance of crossing the bridge, always looking ahead, always making that effort. For Elton, he felt it was critical in all our lives and very critical for a creative person. Never settle. Never rest on your laurels. The past is past. You may no longer be who you were, but that doesn't mean you don't have something to offer. Never give up. As the song says, come and risk it all or die trying. For very personal reasons, this is one of my favorites. Strong enough to hold the weight of time Long enough to leave some of us behind And every one of us has to face that day Do you cross the bridge 
Did you keep your smile on? Well, I said I knew that my reason for living was for loving you. It related in feeling, but you're high above. You're pure and you're gentle with the grace of a dove. And I wonder sometimes.
can't really talk about Elton John without Bernie Taupin, his lyricist. Preferring to stay out of the limelight, most people don't really know who Bernie Taupin is. Elton John writes the music from Bernie Taupin's lyrics. Since 1967, Bernie, who lives on a ranch in Southern California, sends lyrics to Elton wherever he is in the world, and Elton then sits down at the piano alone and composes the music. They don't work together. It's a partnership that owes more to more the, the American songbook Tin Pan Alley model of people like Rodgers and Hart than what we think of today as the modern rock or singer-songwriter. Remarkable when you think about it. Elton picks the lyrics he likes, occasionally editing them, and then composes a tune, usually very quickly. Bernie and Elton met by chance when they both answered an ad in England's New Musical Express looking for songwriters. Elton, still known as Reggie Dwight, was handed a stack of lyrics and told to write some music to them. Once he had, he mailed the songs to Bernie. They started as contract writers, writing songs for other artists, including Lulu. And it wasn't until 1969 that they began writing for themselves. Complete unknowns, their first album was released in 1969 and called Empty Sky. Ironically, it included a song many critics today suggest is one of their greatest collaborations, Skyline Pigeon. We'll close the hour with it. The album went nowhere. For their follow-up collection of songs and album, they enlisted Gus Dungeon, an unknown producer, and Paul Buckbaster, a young string arranger. Now, Gus would go on to become Elton John's longtime producer and played a role not dissimilar to the one played by George Martin for the Beatles. The similarities are actually remarkable. What most people mistakenly think of as Elton John's first album, released in 1970, before he was even an afterthought in America, included the song, Your Song, which would go on to become Elton John's signature song. Ironic because it was never a huge hit single. He sings Your Song at every concert he ever does. The album itself is very intimate. It has many classical elements. And 45 years later, it still holds up. It has a remarkably vulnerable tone. Simple, graceful songs. We've already heard two songs that appeared on that album, 60 Years On and I Need You to Turn To. So here now is a song you may not know from that same album called First Episode at Hayton. So much in love forever I love the white socks that you wore But you don't wear white socks no more Now you're a woman I joked about your turned up nose And criticized your schoolgirl clothes But would I then have faced these roads to love you Seasons come and seasons go Bring forth the rain The sun and snow make Valerie a woman And Valerie is Snow heels of high and 
undecided with the guardians of the old generation a doormat was a sign of welcome in the winter months to come and in the summer laughing through the castle ruins we'd run for the quadrangle sang to the sun and the grace of our feeling and the candle burned low as we talked of the future underneath the ceiling There were tears in the sky the clouds in your eyes they were just covered for your thighs were the cushions of my love and yours for each other the seasons come and seasons go bring forth the rain Sun and snow make Valerie a woman Valerie's Like heaven in this place 
younger people today. When you mention Elton John's name, they think of the Lion King. Today, kids spend a lot of time living someone else's life in front of a TV or computer. In the 1970s, we were it. 
We lived and jumped around with our own passion as expressed in this monster rock song from Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. The Lion King, it is not. Elton's roots were distinctly classical in American R&B. His fundamental musical framework, though, was gospel. Emerging from the late 1960s singer-songwriter movement, by the mid-1970s, he had really reinvented himself and emerged as the number one rock artist in the world. Elton John wrote some of our best rock songs. He loved this peculiar American vernacular. He understood it. This next song unapologetically solidified his position in rock. Built around two irresistible central guitar chords, profoundly simple, his vocal performance is a masterclass in rock, charismatic and a little bit dangerous. Hearing this live is a shock. In concert, it takes your breath away. Rolling Stone lists him as the most influential musician of the rock and roll era, one of them. Billboard magazine ranks him as the most successful male solo artist ever. The Lion King, perhaps, but here, the Rocket Man for sure. <laughs> 